Praise God. Can we stand and just give Him praise today? Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for this place and this opportunity to give you thanks and praise. Bless the mighty name of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Is Brother and Sister Mitchell here tonight? Are, are they here? I did get a phone call and Brother Mitchell told me that Sister Mitchell uh, went to the doctor and he declared her cancer free. So we give praise for that. That's good news. Good news. Amen. Praise God for that. And then, if I'm not mistaken, it's either today or yesterday that Brother Yellett turned 90. Is it today? Today, Brother Yellett turned 90. Let's give Brother Yellett a big hand. Congratulations, Brother Yellett. If the Lord tarries, I'm going to tell you, I'd love to be 90, as good looking as he is, and getting around as good as he gets around. That's, that's a real blessing. And I'm, I'm thankful that Brother Yellett has served this church so well as a board member and as an elder, and we love and appreciate him. Brother Chris is a superintendent with Maranto Construction. This is not his home church, but he's welcome to make it his if he had like. We're glad to have you tonight, Brother Archer. Thank you for being here. And to all of our guests, uh, I thank you for being here. I, I don't need anybody to come up after service but, and, uh, and pat me on the back. But I tell you what, I... Sunday, the devil just beat me up Sunday night. I didn't sleep good. I just felt like that. Maybe I came across as arrogant Sunday morning. And I just want you to know if I came across that way, please forgive me. Because that's never the attitude that I ever want to have with God's people. I will tell you by grace of God, I have left the station, but I haven't arrived. And I know that. And I don't want to ever come across to you as that. I just don't want to ever do that. If I did, please forgive me. Because I love you dearly. I love you deeply. And I'm praying for you often. And I appreciate the wonderful privilege. I know that I don't deserve to be up here. I don't. Not because I'm a bad person. It's not that. It's just because none of us deserve the grace of God. Amen. And if you think you deserve it, you might want to take that prideful heart back to the altar and say, God, I realize I don't deserve anything, but I thank you for everything. Amen. Amen. Just remember Jason, if you would. His father passed away. Lift him up. I know Sister Spikes is in room 103 at the Quincy Hospital. has been dealing with a horrible, horrible cough and just needs our prayers. And of course, the others that were on the on the prayer list. Remember them. I know that we've got a number of people that are dealing with sickness. And of course, our all of our young people are out tonight. But I thank you for being here. And we are going to continue on Locally Grown talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So why don't you look around and see if you have a handout. And if you don't, then see if you can find one. There's a couple on the pew here because I would like for everyone to have a handout and especially make sure our guests have one. This is just so you can take with you. And as you are preparing your hearts and minds for the word, I have had a couple of people ask me, 
if I will put Sunday's notes in a handout like this? And so the answer to that is yes. Okay, I will. I will actually give you my whole notes. I don't mind you having my whole sermon notes. I print my sermons out word for word. I've always done that for 30 years. I don't preach it word for word. So there's a lot in my notes that I skip over that I don't get to. But if you want those notes, just tell Sissy and she will email you those notes. You can have, I, I don't mind, you can have all of my notes. Um, she'll, she'll do that, okay? So, because I know that myself, I go back and I look at stuff and I remind myself. I hate to tell you all this, but sometimes people ask me, now what did you say three weeks ago? I'm like, good luck with that. I don't remember <laughs> myself. Um, so I go back and I look at it and I remind myself. So I'm going to talk to you tonight off of a Philippians. I believe it is Philippians uh, chapter four. We're going to talk about the fruit of peace. OK, you ready? God, Lord, we just thank you for the presence of the Lord that is here tonight. God, you know, every person that has a need in their body and I, I just lift them up and I ask you for the next the Lord what? Uh, 30 minutes, help us uh, as we endeavor to find out more about the fruit of peace. And we give you thanks and praise. And everybody say amen. amen. You can be seated. Now, if you will, look in your notes or turn your Bibles to the book of Philippians. To any new believers, that is in the New Testament. It's after um, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Uh, here it is. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Verse 5, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6 is where I want your attention. Verse 6, it says this, Be anxious for nothing. So, in other words, layman's terms, that, be, that means have anxiety over nothing. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm going to keep coming to you and telling you again, you cannot live this without the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have made certain things, you know, like that's difficult. I'm going to tell you, there are certain things about the Christian life that are not difficult. It's just not difficult. But there are certain things of the Christian life that you can't do it without the spirit of almighty God. Because your flesh naturally gravitates toward worry. And yet the, the, the word of God tells us to not have anxiety over anything. Is anybody making an A on that report card? Please raise your hand. That's why we're going to talk about it tonight. Because I'm not either. You ready? You ready? So be anxious over nothing. Okay. But in everything, in prayer and supplication, here's the key part with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God verse 7 here's the key and the peace of God which surpasses all your understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus so the question is this what is peace what I'm going to tell you what probably the average American thinks that peace is Probably the average American, the average Christian thinks that peace is having no pain, no, no turmoil, no grief, no strife, no problems in your life. That's just a layman's term of most people thinking, well, I've got peace. That's not, ladies and gentlemen, the biblical meaning of peace. Okay, 
That's America's ideal of peace. I don't have any trouble. I don't have any struggle. No stress. I've got peace. Well, that's okay, but that's not what the Bible talks about. The biblical, the biblical thoughts of peace is this, that you have high trust and high confidence in God's plan and his will for your life. Okay. I want you to remember this. I talked about it Sunday. When you have high trust and high confidence in God, you're going to have low anxiety. And when you when you are dealing with a lot, you're dealing with a lot of anxiety. If you'll calm yourself down, it's basically what you're doing is, is you're stressing over a lot of things that you don't have control over. And so therefore your peace comes down because you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Because now you're thinking like an orphan. You have forgotten that you have a heavenly father. Did that just make sense? Because when you remind yourself, I have a heavenly father and if he can feed all the sparrows, And if he attends every sparrow's funeral, then he knows about me. He knows where I'm at. And then you can start talking to yourself and start building your confidence back up in Christ. Now, this peace is high confidence and high trust in God's will, God's plan. No matter what you are going through, that you have trust that God's going to bring you through. Now, this is played out in John chapter 14. I believe it is verse 27. I think it's in your notes because Jesus was talking to his disciples. Now, John chapter 14 through verse, no, John 14 through chapter 17 is known as the farewell gospels. In other words, God was saying some of his last words to his disciples before he was going to be crucified. So he knew that the crucifixion was coming up, but the disciples really still could not understand. Though he had told them, they still could not understand. So this is John 14, 27. God is coming to his disciples and and this is what he says. I want you to look in your notes. He says, peace I leave with you. This peace I am going to leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Now this is very key because God knows these are literally some of the last hours that he is talking to his disciples. He knows he's going to go to the crucifixion. They don't know it, but he is telling them, I want you to know, guys, that I'm going to leave my peace with you. The peace that I'm going to leave with you is not a peace that the world will give you. Now, what are you talking about? Okay. Well, Jesus is telling his disciples is what is about to happen to me, guys, is not what you think should happen. Does that make sense? You're 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 not going to see this the way that I see it. You're going to think, my Lord, all of all all hope is lost. We're going to they're going to be in a lot of anxiety because this is not the way this should go down. We shouldn't be losing our savior. He's the one that's going to come and redeem us out of the hands of the Romans. 
This is catastrophe. He knew that's how they were going to think. And he was letting them know beforehand, I already know what's going to happen, but here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that I can bring life out of death. I can bring light out of darkness. And I can bring purpose out of pain if you will just trust me. I want to encourage somebody. If you feel anxious tonight, go back and put your trust in the Lord that even though life is not turning out the way you want it to, God has a plan, God has a purpose, and God is not a man that He should lie, neither the Son of Man that He should repent. My daddy would often tell me, Wayne, son, you don't have to stress about your life. I said, why? He said, because God already has a plan for you, son. He had a plan for you when you came out of your mother's womb. It's already planned out from A to Z. So what do I do? Then you walk in faith every day and say, Lord, help me to walk in obedience to your will and to your plan for my life today. Put me at the right place at the right time. Help me to meet the right people. Open up the right door and walk in trust. And when you can walk in the trust that God knows you, every hair on your head is numbered. The promises of God, they are yea and they are a man. God is going to fulfill his word in your life. Does that make sense? Okay, that is peace. So I, I want you to, I want to be very clear with you. Peace is tied to trust. And when you have high trust in God, that he's got all of this figured out, then you, when you've got high trust, then you, you're going to have peace in your life. I don't have to worry about that. I know God's going to work it out. How, how's this working in your life? Well, I've got to preach to myself just like you need to preach to yourself. Because I'm very frustrated with this whole process. Frustrated. And Brother Chris is here. He knows it. This is, this is, this is not news to him. But I have to keep going back. This is God's church. He's the only one that's got scars in his hands. I didn't bleed and die for the church. It's his church. And he said, I will build my church. So I just had to keep reminding myself of that. It's in God's hands. And I want to have peace about it. Does that make sense? Can we keep going? Okay, so let's move on. Then some people ask, okay, Pastor, what is the difference between joy and peace? Well, the opposite of joy is hopelessness. And the opposite of peace is anxiety. So here's an example. God wanted Israel to know that, listen, I'm going to deliver you from the hand of the most powerful man in the world named Pharaoh. And I'm going to show my miracles and it's going to be against every one of their gods. If you study it out, and I'm sure you have, but if you haven't, then you will know that every miracle was against a particular God of Egypt. Just study that out and you'll find that to be true. Because God was basically saying, I'm going to show you that I'm over your sun God, so I'm going to bring darkness. Okay? So every, every one of 
of Egypt's gods, God contested it with His power to show who He was. So here's my point. God was saying, Israel, if I am big enough to deliver you out of the most powerful nation in the world, and if I am big enough to bring you through the Red Sea, then don't you think that I am big enough to bring water out of a rock and bring manna from heaven to feed you? If I'm going to bring you out, don't you think I have a plan to bring you through? I'm getting excited over my own preaching tonight. If God brought you out of darkness, then don't you think he has a plan to get you through the valley of the shadow of death? Do you think that your God didn't think it through enough that he just had the power to bring you out of darkness, but not enough power to bring you all the way? That's just not a good God. Does that make sense? And so what he wanted was, is he wanted Israel to know if I have the power to deliver you from Pharaoh, then surely I've got the power to get you into the promised land. And the problem was they did not believe him and they did not trust him. If you keep reading in the book of Exodus, it says these two things. They did not enter into the promised land because of their unbelief and because they did not delight themselves in the Lord their God. In other words, their unbelief was, we don't trust you to do this. And then the other thing was, is we're not delighting in you at all. We're just here out of duty because you brought us out and we're not happy about it. And God said, fine. That's what you feel. Then you won't ever, you won't ever go to the promised land. Does that make sense? Okay. So why, why are you telling us that? Because what I'm telling you is joy. God wants you to have the fruit of joy, which means you delight in the Lord. God wants you to have trust, which means that even when you don't see a way, you trust that God can make a way. Does that make sense? Okay. So here's what the scripture says. Everybody knows this. This is Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord. With what? Talk to me. All of your heart. And do what? Do not lean to your own understanding. What? Talk to me. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. And He what? Shall direct your path. Why do you want to pray every day? Because you want to be sensitive. Do I stay Holy Spirit or do I go? Do I speak Holy Spirit or is this the time to be silent? Do I walk through this door or do I just stay right where I'm at? The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. This is why you want to be in tune with Him because God has a plan for your life. Say, Pastor, what if I just mess it up royally? What if I mess the plan of God up? I believe God only has plan A. And you may waste 40 years of your life, but if you will repent and say, okay, God, I'm coming back. I believe God's going to try to pick you back up where you left off, not where he left off, but you were left off and try to restore you. Does that make sense? Okay. That's another, another subject. So that's a good verse. So I want you to understand peace. Okay. It's very important that you leave here with something. Our peace is tied to our trust. When there's low 
trust, there's high anxiety. And when there's high trust, there's low anxiety. In other words, when there's high trust in God, God's got my life already mapped out. He's got it already planned out. All I got to do is walk in it daily. Then I can have peace. Even when I don't understand. Okay. Now let's go back to our text. Look at verse six in our text. Do not be anxious. Don't don't have anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Okay. I want to point out something here that is very important about this verse. Our peace, ladies and gentlemen, is not only tied to our trust, it is tied to our thanksgiving. I'm going to try to make that make sense. Look at what the verse says. In everything by prayer and petition with what? Thanksgiving. Okay, so if my trust is tied to thanksgiving, then what does that mean? It means that we thank God before we make the request. Because we're saying, Lord, whatever you do in response to this request, I'm going to thank you. I say, you can't do this without the Holy Spirit. So if you pray one way, and so let's just make it real simple. You pray and you say, God, I want to go right. Just hypothetically, God, I want to go right. And God says, I want you to go left. Well, you give him thanks in that, even though he didn't answer it the way you wanted him to, you give him thanks in that because he knows you better than you know you, and he knows what's going to make you happier better than what you think is going to make you happy. So you thought that going through the right door was going to make you happy. God knows going through the left door is going to make you happy. So you give him thanks in all things because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I don't thank him for everything, but I thank him in all things. Like if you've been abused, you don't have to thank him for the abuse, but you thank him that he brought you through. Does that make sense? And so God, you're going to take this hurt and you're going to help me to heal somebody else. So I'm not thanking you that I was abused, but I'm giving you thanks for all things because only God can take evil and make good out of it. Did that just make sense? Hmm? Okay. So again, our peace, y'all, is tied to two things. It's tied to our trust in Him and His plan for our life. And it's tied to our thanksgiving. It goes back to what I said Sunday. Somebody asked me, how do you pray? I always try to enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Now, your peace is tied to giving Him thanks. God, you know what? Here's what I'm wanting, but you know me better than I know myself. So I'm just going to go ahead and thank you that even if you don't answer it the way I want you to, I'm going to give you thanks because you're going to do it better than what I know because I trust you. Has all that made sense? Okay. Have a few more minutes. A little note here. There is a difference between the peace of God and peace with God. This is important to me. I want you to know there is a difference between peace with God and the peace of God. Here's Romans 5 and 1 says, Now 
because we're justified for any new believer. That word justified means just as if you never did it. It's talking about sin, just as if you had never sinned. So now because we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. Now, I want to explain this. This is important. Peace with God is the understanding that we are no longer enemies of God and that we have been saved from the final judgment and from his wrath. Brothers and sisters, if you are a born again believer, okay? Now, this is how I feel. There's maybe some other thoughts out there. This is your pastor. If you are a born again believer and you have the spirit of God and his name has been applied to your life and you make it in the rapture, you are going to stand before God, but it's not going to be where God judges you to let you know if you're going to make heaven or hell. That's not what it's going to be. God's judgment is going to be to give you rewards for the good that you have done because you're already saved. All that's going to happen then is you're going to get a glorified body. Okay, can I keep preaching? I'm going to keep telling you so you get it because you got to keep hearing it. Justification you had nothing to do with. He forgave you as a sinner by his grace. You had nothing. I had nothing to do with that. Glorification when he gives you a brand new body and, and, and your, your corruptible body becomes incorruptible, you're not going to have anything to do with that. The only thing which you have to do is this process of sanctification, and that is abiding in him so that you stay grounded in him and your roots go down deep in his love and you bear forth the fruit of the spirit so that the world can see the fruit so that God may be glorified. That makes sense. Okay, so the peace with God means you no longer have to worry. Is God angry at me? I can tell you. No, he's not. When I sin, does he get angry at me? No, he does not. Why? Because all of his wrath went to Jesus and Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath and he's no longer angry at us. Isn't that good? Okay, can I keep going? All right, in Philippians 4 now. Talks about the peace of God. What's the difference? Well, the peace of God is a frame of heart that is completely confident that we trust all of our difficulties to him. It's what I talked about earlier. Peace with God means I no longer have to be afraid of God. It's Hebrews 4. I can come boldly. Right? I don't have to back in. I don't have to see if God's in a good mood. I can come boldly before the throne. Why? Because I know that I'm justified by his grace. I'm not saved based off of what I've done. I'm saved based off off of what he's done for me. That's peace with God. Now, the peace of God means I have a heart that trusts in him that no matter what, God, you've brought me through before and I believe in you're going to bring me through again. That's having trust. Peace with God is the assurance that our salvation is not based on what we do. It's based on what he's done for us. Now, in sanctification, I have a part in that process where I become more like him and I keep uh, abiding in him so that the fruit of the spirit grows in me. 
That's my part. But now let's go on to Galatians 5 and 22. In Galatians 5 and 22, you know this. I'm going to remind you of this. Here's what it says. It says the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say fruits. Because the fruit of the Spirit all grows from the root of love. This is what Paul is saying. Let your roots go down deep into the love of God. Again, restating what you've already heard. It's not about trying to get you to love God more. It's trying to get you to understand how much God loves you. Because when you get the revelation of how much God loves you, you want to please Him. And you don't want to hurt Him. And you don't come out of fear. But you come out of trust. Even when you've messed up, you still come boldly knowing that you're not a slave. You're not a servant. You're a son. Why? Because He chose you. He accepted you. He called you. It was all what He did. You didn't find God. He found you. He chose you. You think you love your kids? You don't love your kids as much as God loves you because you can't. Because you have a finite love. God has an infinite love. Does that make sense? Okay, so it's fruit of the Spirit. And it's singular, which means love, joy, peace, patience grow together. So, Pastor, how do I cultivate the fruit of the Spirit? The same way a tree bears fruit. I've told, I've, I've told so many that's come through the Hope House. They ask me, what do I do? I said, the first thing you need to do, bud, is get planted. Get planted. What do you mean? Because you've been running all your life. And I don't mean it ugly. But, but most, most run all their life. They run from Helen because they ticked her off, threatened to shoot you. So you run from Helen. Then you got Gertrude and then Gertrude threatened to kill you. So you run from Gertrude. Then you go to Hilda and Hilda threatened to put you six foot under. So you run from her. You've just been running, running, running. I'm not trying to be ugly. Y'all know it's the truth. You can't bear fruit unless you get planted. That's like taking the best Satsuma tree and, and, and uprooting it every six months and wondering why it don't grow fruit. It can't. Because it's not planted. Are y'all with me? I don't want to come across as arrogant. I just, I want to tell you things. I want to show you things you don't want to see and tell you things you don't want to hear so you can be the person you know you can be. Hey, but before, listen to me. Listen, I got to tell you this. Before the truth will set you free, it's going to make you mad first. <laughs> if you get mad at something, it's probably the truth working on you, trying to set you free. But you got to get honest with yourself. Who's that preacher to tell me? You know what? I'm nobody. I'm not here to change you. I can't change you. I'm here to help you if you want to go forward. Are you with me? But you got to get planted. And abide. That's what Jesus is talking about. Except you abide in me and I in you. You can't bear this fruit. Why? Because you're always running. And God's got to get you so he can love on you. So he can show you. If you'll stay with me, I'll do something wonderful in your life. But you got to stay planted. 
You with me? Okay. So, well, how do I bear fruit, Pastor? You got to stay planted. You got to stay, abide in the dirt. The roots have got to go down deep into the soil of the word. And then it needs time to produce. I don't get the best tree don't produce in three months. It takes time. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, so how do, how do I cultivate then, Pastor, the fruit of the spirit? I want you to look at Philippians 4. Look at Philippians 4 and, and verse 8. This is NIV. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, think on these things. Now, this is a main key. So if you haven't paid attention, please do so now. You can either talk to your heart or you can listen to your heart. I'm going to say that again. You can either talk to your heart or you can listen to your heart. What, what do you mean by that? Well, tomorrow our heart is going to say this. Oh, my word. What are you going to do about this? And what are you going to do about that? Oh, my goodness. What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? And if you're not careful, your heart can go on all day asking you that question. What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? Well, what's going to happen here? Well, what's going to happen there? How many know I'm telling the truth? Now, there's two things. Now, listen, pay attention, please. There's two things you can do with your heart. You can sit and listen to your heart, and we can just get more and more ramped up and more anxious, or we can talk to our heart. Here's what Psalms 42 says. See that David's depressed in Psalms 42. He says, why are thou cast down, O my soul? He's talking to his heart. What's he talking to? Himself, his heart. He says this, why are thou cast down, O my soul? Why are thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. You know what David is doing? Instead of listening to his heart, he's talking to his heart. See, most of you just listen to your heart. You don't start talking to your heart. And this is what Paul is saying. If you will think on these things that are noble, think on these things that are beneficial, then keep reading that verse. He says you're going to have peace. Why? Because you keep telling yourself, God's not a man that he should lie. Didn't God bring me through this when I was in my 20s? Then God hasn't failed me and won't fail me in my 40s. If God brought me through here, then God's going to bring me through again. And you keep talking to yourself. God is good and the devil is a lie. And God's word is true and the devil is a lie. And I will not believe the lies of hell. But I'm going to feed my mind on the word of God. This is why it is so important. The scripture says to hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. Jesus didn't have a Bible when he was tempted in the wilderness by the devil. The word was in him. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. This is why it is so important that you put the word of God in your spirit. Because you're going to need it most times when you don't have a Bible in your hand. But if you got the Bible in your heart, then you know what? You can meditate on it. God's promise says that if I will abide in him and he in me... I can ask whatsoever I will and it shall be done. Can I keep preaching? See, worrying is in your notes, is listening to your heart and peace comes from talking to your heart. Talk to yourself. I talk to myself literally all the time. I'll be walking down the road and all of a sudden you think I'm crazy. I say, devil, you're a lie. 
out loud. Devil, you're a liar. Why? Because he's talking to me. I'm not going to listen to that mess. I, cho- I can choose. There's a lot I can't choose. I didn't get to choose the weather today, but thank God it was a beautiful day. I didn't get to choose it. I- I'm not going to get to choose the next president. I wish I could. <clears throat> I'm not going to get to choose the elections here in, 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 in just a couple of days. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get to choose what, what Wall Street does tomorrow. But I can tell you what I can't choose. I can choose what I think. And I can choose what comes out of my mouth. And I can choose my attitude. And I can choose to keep my heart on God. And trust Him so that I can have peace. Even though this is a peace that will surpass my understanding. God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how this is all going to come about. But I believe if you can resurrect the dead Jesus on the third day. Then you can resurrect the dead marriage. You can resurrect the dead job. You can resurrect a dead heart. That there's nothing that is impossible with God. So I'm going to just keep quoting the word. I'm going to keep my mind stayed on Jesus. I'm going to keep casting down vain imaginations. And I'm going to keep it as a choice. I'm going to keep my heart at peace. That makes sense? Okay, I'm, I, I got to wrap this up. So this brings me to my last point. We all have three enemies that constantly bombard our heart and our mind and our spirit. Three enemies. What are they? Pardon me. You three enemies is the world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay? You agree with that, Jagger? Okay, thank you. Three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. They all work in tandem. Here's how it works. You see this commercial, and this commercial is a mindset of the world, and this commercial basically on TV says that you need to be thin to be attractive. You see it, see it all the time. You need to, you need to, you need to be thin to be attractive. So eventually you keep hearing that, it's a mindset of the world. So now you start thinking, well, I need to buy this to look this way, and I need to really start, you know, losing weight. And then it can actually become a health problem because you bought into the value of the world that you need to look this way in order to be valuable and attractive. Huh? So that's, that's the word, the, the word world actually means secular. The word secular actually means present and now. It's the culture. It's the now mindset. This is what you need to do now. So then your flesh, ladies and gentlemen, what your flesh is, is I know we think it's this and, and, and it, it is to a degree, but your flesh is really the selfish part of you that wants to be God. All right, y'all might want to listen up here. I know you think the flesh is this and it is, but the flesh part of you wants to be God. You want to be your own God. You want to call your own shots. That's why, that's why when you see this a sign on the park bench that says, do not touch wet paint, what do you do? People are hilarious, y'all. They want the front of the bus and the back of the pew. Yeah, you'll get that in a minute. It, it, it just blows my mind. There's people that are pay $150 for an Astros ticket, pay $100 to park, stand in the rain all day and consider that a good time. Then when you come to church, they struggle, put $5 in the offering plate. My God, all they wash my money. 
It's just people are funny. We're funny like that because we want to be God. We don't want people to tell us what to do. Who are you to tell me what to do? I'm not trying to tell you what to do. You can do what you want to do. I'm just trying to show you God's word. The flesh wants to be God. It wants to call its own shots. It don't want anybody to tell you what to do. And if somebody tells you what to do, bless God, I'll show you and you'll just do the opposite. It's like cutting off your nose to spite your face. That's the flesh. And then you got the devil. What's the devil? The devil is really an evil, supernatural, intelligent being. And then he's got millions of supernatural, intelligent being called demons. And I can't get into this, but basically what the devil wants more than to tempt you, the devil wants to accuse you. Because he is the accuser of the brethren and I'm hurrying up. So the devil's job is to do the same thing that the world and your flesh does. And that is to try to destroy your peace and your joy. Because John 10 and 10 tells us the enemy has come but to what? Steal, kill, and to destroy. And so the world, the flesh, and the devil is always after your peace and always after your joy. That's why you got to guard what Paul said, I got to guard my heart and I got to guard my mind. What do I guard it with? I guard it with the word. I guard it with his name. I guard it with the blood. I guard it. Right? And I got to constantly stay on guard. How? I've got the sword of the spirit and the breastplate of righteousness. Makes sense? Because all three of them come together and try to accuse you. So the word Satan is a word that basically means prosecutor. His main job, and I'm wrapping this up, is to accuse you. So after the world and after the flesh do their number on you, basically the devil comes to agitate you and says, so you call yourself a Christian. Has the devil ever said that to anybody after you messed up? Some of you are lying and the devil's after you right now. I'm going to ask you again. Has the devil ever said to your mind, now you call yourself a Christian, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know what he's doing? Thank you for being honest. Though I forced you. You know what he's doing? He's accusing you. Now, if you was a good Christian, you wouldn't do that. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to steal your peace and he's trying to steal your joy because he's coming after your conscience. He's going to try to drive you crazy. He's going to accuse you to get your peace and joy. And essentially what the enemy's trying to do is do this. He's trying to get you to look more at your sin than you look at the Savior. Thank you. He, I'm going to say it again. He's trying to get you to look more at your sin than you do the Savior. So what do you have to, what do you do about it, Pastor? Here's what you do about it. You say this. It's really not about my feelings. It's not even about my sin. It's not about how hard I work or my righteousness that makes me acceptable to God. It is what Jesus has done for me. And when I mess up and I don't say it right and I don't do it right, you know what? I don't let the devil put a guilt trip on me because I'm telling you, there are times I don't say it right. I don't do it right. You know what I do? I'm going to tell you what I do. I come in and I say, God, I'm your son. I didn't do it right. I know I didn't. I didn't say it right. I could have done that better. 
But I know that as your son, I'm coming boldly before the throne. And I'm just asking for grace in my time of need because I'm not going to allow the enemy to get a foothold in my life and make me think that I'm scum and that I'm nothing when I know I'm your son and you love me more than I could ever love myself. And so my roots are going to go down deep into the soil of God's love. And I'm going to remind myself that His love is wide enough to go everywhere. That it's deep enough to go underneath all of my deepest hurt. That it's long enough to last forever. And it's high enough to overlook my faults and flaws. And God doesn't keep score. Now see, some people have a problem with that because they say, now you have a license to sin. A lot of people are already sinning. They don't need a license. (laughs) Grace doesn't give you a license to sin. In fact, the more you fall in love with Him, the less you want to do that. You want to please Him. And you want to just keep your heart in peace. Because I have high trust in this God gravity that everything I need is coming to me. And what no longer serves my story is exiting my life. So I have peace with God. Amen. That's what I want for myself. And that's what I want for you. Pastors teaching me, Wayne, if you really want to live, son, you want to live well, you got you to die well. And I sat down today and I just contemplated that. And I just started thinking how that relates to fruit of the Spirit. Here's, here's what came in my spirit. If I die to selfishness, I can start living to bear the fruit of love and serving others. It's all about dying to yourself. If I can die, I just wrote a couple things down here. Hold on. If I can bury the seed of hopelessness, then joy can be my delight. Because here's what the scripture says, except a grain of wheat fall into the earth and die and abides alone. But if it dies, it bears forth much fruit. So see if you'll sow yourself at the cross. The cross, Mark said, Mark Mark called the cross a tree. Mark called the cross a tree. And this tree is the only tree that bore all nine fruit of the Spirit. How did God defeat Satan? I've told you this before. He defeated him with fruit because this is the only kingdom that God uses fruit to destroy the enemy. And that is exactly why the enemy doesn't want you to stay planted so that you can bear the fruit. Because when you bear the fruit of God, then he is glorified and the light and the love of who he is radiates through your life and serving is no more chore. You love to serve. And you sow the seed and you bury that seed of hopelessness so that it can be raised to joy and delight. So I'm no longer serving God out of fear or duty, but I'm serving him because I love him. I got to stop. Let's stand together. (laughs) 
Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Lord, I truly thank you for the opportunity to stand before this incredible audience and group of people, the body of Christ, and to be able to share your word. Father, I pray that something, one sentence, something has been said that will add value. Help us to keep our hearts and minds stayed upon you. Because when we do that, you will keep us in perfect peace. We don't have to live anxious like the world. We don't have to live in fear and turmoil. Father, as we die to ourselves, as we die to the way that we want to do it, we can be raised to newness of life and be a new creature in Christ. And God, you are most exalted when you are most alive in us. So Father, I pray, help us to bear the fruit of the Spirit so that the world can see Christ in us. That's my prayer. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, if you're going to pray with me, if you're a believer, would you lift up your hands and say, God, help me. Talk to Him for a minute. Come on, talk to the Lord. I've had my mouth open for 45 minutes. Open yours now and talk to God. God, I want your peace. Good. Mm-hmm.